Hello and welcome. You're listening to the You Do Woo podcast, and I'm your host, Allison Cullen. I'm a mom with a background in business and counseling, but I've always been tapped into the more woo-woo side of everyday life. I'm here to take you on an exploration of your spirituality, give you helpful life hacks, help you on this evolution through motherhood, and give you a weekly dose of useful woo. If you need your cup filled, your mind expanded, and you want to increase your manifestation abilities at the same time, you've come to the right place. Let's get started. Well, hello. If you're listening to this day of happy new moon and oh my gosh, (laughs) the past seven days have been nuts, especially with hearing from you guys in my DMs about listening to last week's episode, episode 146. If you have not listened to it yet, definitely listen to this one, but then bookmark episode 146 to go back and listen to. It is very short and sweet, but oh my God, y'all are just, y'all are having so many questions and I love it. So I woke up this morning with a ping to do a short term offering for y'all for this new paradigm. So what I'm going to do, and I don't even have a link for this yet, so I probably will by the time this episode comes out. So just send me a DM that says new paradigm session. I'm going to be doing probably between five and 10 of these this month. I only have time this month for five to 10 of these readings. They're not human design readings. We can go into some aspects of your human design. And if you have questions, you can definitely ask me. But this is more so for the person who has already had a human design reading or already has a basic overview of their chart, doesn't need to do a deep dive on their human design reading. But you do want to look at your life, your life path, your career, and see what your purpose is for the next three to four years. There's a lot that's going to be changing with this shift as we walk into this new paradigm. A lot of changes are already happening. And there's going, a lot of, there's going to be a lot of things changing in your personal life, be it relationships, the way that you live every day, what kind of work that you're doing, your schedule, what every week looks like to you, what the months look like to you, what the next three to four years look like to you. I'm not quite sure what I'm going to call these sessions yet. They are going to be about 45 minutes. I will record them for you. You know, I'm probably going to do seven for July, just since July is the seventh month of the year. Anyways, so we're going to do seven first seven people to DM me new paradigm reading. You will get it. I'll send you a link. It's going to be very affordable. Less, it's not going to be as much as my human design readings currently are. So that will be fun for you. And then you're going to get the 45 minute session with me. Most of it is I've done a couple of these with private clients in the past three to four months. Most of it is downloaded. It's something where I sit with you. I learn a little bit about you and I sit with you and your chart and really hone in on what your purpose is as we walk into this new paradigm. So it's going to be fun. It's going to be so good. I'm going to give you the 45 minutes with me. Most of it's just going to be downloaded. And then I'm going to give you three months of homework. So It's going to be juicy. Great way to start the second half of this year. 
Today's episode is so fun. Literally, I think this might be my favorite interview of the year. And we recorded this a long time ago, several months ago. So I moved and things have been all over the place. My schedule has changed and I'm just getting organized on putting out all of the recordings that I've done this year. You're going to love these girls. Christine and Leah from See You on the Other Side podcast are I know that I've had my podcast a little bit longer, but they are huge podcast expanders for me because of the like transparency and vulnerability of the content that they put out. If you don't let yet listen to their podcast, you must go subscribe to it and start binging it. It's so good. I also love their levity. Like they're just so fun and vibrant and they have fun with things and they don't take things too seriously. They don't take themselves too seriously major girl crushes. I know a lot of y'all have girl crushes on them too. They're freaking awesome. So we had a really great conversation about their podcast and how it came about. And then also their journeys with psychedelic medicine. We talk a lot about alcohol too, which is interesting. So it is a really good conversation. I hope y'all enjoy it. Please DM me and the gals at See You on the Other Side Pod. I have the link to their Instagram in these show notes below. And then again, if you're interested in a new paradigm session with me to see what your purpose is in this new paradigm, especially as we walk into it over the next three, three and a half years, send me a DM that just says new paradigm session. Do it ASAP because I'm only doing seven this month. So that's all. Can't wait to do the reading for you. See ya on the other side, y'all. Okay, y'all. This episode has been a long time coming. I think that I've listened to y'all's podcast, See You on the Other Side, since the very beginning. What? Well, I started listening very, very early on and then went and binged, I think the first like 10 episodes or something like that. But yeah, so I have the co-hosts of See You on the Other Side on You Do Woo now. Yay. Hi. (laughs) Welcome to Leah and Christine. I'm so excited to have you guys on. I think y'all are my first threesome of a podcast. (laughs) So that's, no, that's not true. Almost 30. I had the almost 30 girls on like a year ago. So, oh, that's big, Allison. I love yeah, them. they're great. I love them. And they are definitely microdosers themselves. So, and I think we talked about that a little bit. Anyways, I can totally see that. Yeah. So, tell us a little bit about y'all and why you started your podcast. Well, I guess you should start because you're kind of the ringleader of starting this whole. It's because I'm a manifester. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I did a journey with mushrooms, um, a heroic journey, five grams about three years ago in the middle of COVID and quarantine and just losing my ever loving mind um, at home with my kids and my alcoholic husband. So I felt like there was nothing to lose. Why not? And I think that since then, everything has, has just kind of fallen into my lap um, with life um, for the better. Everything's changed. Uh, I can say 
without a doubt, mushrooms like drastically changed the trajectory of my life and where it was headed and where it was going. And I couldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. Okay. Just so everybody knows, we're talking to Leah right now. Leah's the manifester. Okay. So you went straight into a heroic dose. We don't recommend this, correct, for most no. people? No. Okay. <laughs> I did the same thing. She I went, kind of did the same thing. I went thing. into a heroic dose. Yeah. I feel like I it it came out of a time of desperation for me. Mm-hmm. And we tell people that too. Like, don't do this when you're in, in desperate mode. But, you know, I also think everything happens for a reason. You know, I did my research. I'm a rabbit hole goer myself. So I did enough research that I felt comfortable with it. Um, and I felt comfortable with my guide. So yeah, I dove in head first. You had a guide. So that's did. Okay. So that is really, really, really huge. If you are, I mean, I recommend that whether you are microdosing or doing a bigger dose, having a guide, because everybody's a little bit different with your intentions and the amount that you're doing and, and all of that kind of stuff. I don't think I talked to y'all about this. I didn't do drugs at all in high school or college. Like I did, I, I drank in college, but I didn't do any drugs um, or plant medicine at all. And so the first time I did mushrooms, it wasn't very much. It was like a gram with my husband a few years ago, like five years ago or so. And it was a blast. We just did it for fun. Like we were in our house. We put, I put on those 3d goggles and was like riding a roller coaster on the TV. It was oh, so that fun. would be awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we did it for entertainment, but I definitely noticed that it rewired something in my brain just from that one time of doing it. And then we, then I started microdosing here and there. And then I've been much more consistent with it since I had since I finished breastfeeding and had my kid. So the past three years, I guess, almost three years, I've been more consistent with it. And since then, haven't done a big dose. So it's it's in the back of my head. I'm, my husband and I were talking about this yesterday because we did a, a heftier than a microdose and went kayaking. And that was amazing. But he was like, man, we need to probably do a like big dose together at some point without the child. You know, girls, I highly recommend it. Girls trip. Yeah. We'll, we'll come see you. Okay. Yes. (laughs) I feel like everybody who has these types of transformational experiences, they, they talk about it for a while and because they can't stop talking about it. And then that kind of dies down. But for me, it never did. Uh, I think one of the things, one of the things that I got out of my first trip was my voice. I didn't have one before. So being able to speak up and speak out without fear, without the fear of judgment, knowing that what I did was best for me and that I knew people weren't going to understand it, but I didn't care because I stood behind it and I was very um, open and vocal about it on Instagram. And then, and then Christine comes along about a year later, you know, we'd been friends for a long time, but hadn't seen each other because of COVID and, you know, business. And we both owned businesses and both had our family lives and just got busy. So yeah, she shows up and she's like, um, you look amazing. Why are you glowing? What are you doing? (laughs) What's going on? (laughs) Well, and then, you know, just, I I'm like you, Allison, where I never did drugs either. I I drank, but I was honestly, I was really, uh, judgmental about anybody who like smoked weed. Like, oh my God, you're such a loser, like whatever. And now fast forward (laughs) and I am a total stoner, (laughs) but yeah, I saw her and she looked amazing and there was just this inner glow and, and peace to her. 
Um, and she talked about mushrooms and I had no idea what can I swear on here? Yeah. Oh yes, for sure. Okay. Okay. What the fuck she was talking about? (laughs) I didn't know anything about it. And so she recommended, um, watching some documentaries, reading articles, listening to podcasts, did my own research. And her and I come from a lot of childhood trauma where we probably never really felt good or felt good in our body or I, we always say close to home. And we were doing a lot of things like therapy and, you know, journaling or whatever it was. But I think with the heroic dose of mushrooms, it rewires the brain and it gets that default mode network. It kind of just vanishes it. And it's like a new fresh pile of snow to really change your life. Cause I, before I didn't know how to do that, I was trying. And so I think both of us were were very desperate, but had this, what, what else do I have to lose? We were like, we've already, we've already felt so terrible our entire lives. Like if this doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but it did work out. And it was hands down the most profound introspective, um, thing I've ever done for myself. So shortly after that, you know, I already had a podcast about cannabis with a friend. We had stopped doing it for, because of COVID. So we weren't meeting up as often. Um, and after my mushroom journey, I kind of stopped smoking weed for a while. I I didn't feel like I was, I, I needed to, it wasn't as much of an escape for me anymore. I didn't have debilitating anxiety anymore. So I kind of felt like a little bit of a poser having that podcast, (laughs) but then Christine, a few months after her journey was like, why aren't people talking about this? Yes. Why don't we start a podcast? And I'm like, bitch, (laughs) let's go. Like literally, like I've already have this like list of topics ready to go. Like I am ready. I have just been waiting for someone to show up because I didn't want to do it alone. And that that's the thing. I genuinely didn't understand why this wasn't being talked about. You know, both of us struggled with anxiety and depression and it was like, I don't want to say like at the drop of a hat, it switched. But after coming out of this, that experience, I felt reborn. And so I just didn't understand why wasn't this a thing? Like, So people knew that this was an option, not that they had to go down that road, but it's a road they could go down. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Two quick, well, one quick question and then one longer question, I think for y'all to answer. How did you come up with the name? See you on the other side. So she told me to watch this Gwyneth Paltrow. Is it the Goop Lab? The Goop Lab. And Gwyneth Paltrow takes all of her employees on one episode to Costa Rica Rica to do a mushroom retreat. I saw that one. Okay. So they took the medicine and after they took the medicine, someone, I think it was a shaman said, okay, see you on the other side. And I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I was walking on the treadmill and I texted Leah and I said, I have our podcast name. And I told her, and she's like, that's amazing. But then- there was also like another like little universal ping with that because there is a meditation that we listen to before we journey, before we do a heroic dose, a little like helping you get in the right mindset and helping you breathe. And at the very end, he also says, all right, we'll see you on the other side. And I was like, 
Oh my so gosh. Sad. Perfect. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, I lost track of my other question. Just so y'all know, I usually like with people that I know and feel comfortable with don't even have like a little outline of questions. So we're we just... are the same way. <laughs> we're on the we fly like to here. Ju- yeah. We like to just shoot the shit with people. That's when we're at our best. Yeah. But the other, well, maybe my qu- other question will come to me. So see you on the side, the name, then I'm going to put in the show notes, y'all's podcast, because what I love about your podcast is it's not just interviewing people who've had journeys. Like y'all take moments to do integration episodes. And I think that's like such a huge part of this whole process is integrating after, not just like right after, because you're sort of exhausted and you're like, okay, I... I can't really do anything else right now, but the weeks and the months after you'll notice things come up and you'll notice that you think about it differently and you have this different awareness. Where did you get the idea to do those integration episodes? So as long as I've been in this space and it's not very long, it's only been three years um, in the psychedelic space. I will listen to podcasts about this stuff. And even for me, it goes over my head. And then we bring on these experts and sometimes even talking to them, like, we don't know what they're talking about. We can kind of understand them. And I think we've, we've said this before, like, we're not the experts. We try to dumb things down for everybody it, because it's, it, it's such a vast, big, big scientific world in the world of psychedelics that a lot of people don't really understand. So that's kind of why we started doing the integration episodes, because we're trying to like bring it back down to this level of understanding for, I think most of our listeners are beginners. Yeah. Like it's even hard for us to understand what these other podcasts are saying and the words that they're using and the things that they're talking about in we're in this space. So yeah, I think that was important. It makes me think of, uh, do you know who uh, Dr. Huberman is? You listen to his podcast at all. So he just dropped um, an episode about psilocybin and it's great, but I got so many messages from people saying, this is like great, but like I, tw- like I'm 20 minutes in and I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. And, and it's, it's true. Everything he says, it's, it is, it's, it's a great podcast, but it's, if, if you are, we are in this space, but if you aren't in this space, it can be very confusing. Yeah. I remember I watched whenever it came out, maybe a year ago, the, how to change your mind documentary on Netflix, which is a great documentary. I feel like it's a little bit more in layman's terms than maybe humorman's. Sure. Sure. Having a super expert on there, but The thing I love about y'all's episodes is that you talk about sort of how it feels while you're doing it and then the after effects and the, and the, you know, wisdom that came from that and whatever. And one of the coolest things is that it's always different. (laughs) I was just, so for those of y'all who have heard me talk about this, I was just on y'all's podcast talking about my experience with combo. And I think that we recorded that before I did my third session. So I had done two sessions and not the third, but it is so crazy. Cause I feel like combos similar to psilocybin in that every time you're going to have a very different experience, which is beautiful 
And I think it's, that's why y'all will continue doing integration episodes because it's going to be a different experience every time. And then a different, um, like different wisdom, different downloads that, that come through as well. But that is one of the coolest things. Cause I feel like in a lot of the documentaries, they don't really talk about like how it can feel when you do two grams, five grams, what was the last, I just listened to one. You did like eight grams, oh the I last seven, seven. 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 <laughs> I told my husband that that, and he was like, I have never done that. And I am a 220 <laughs> pound man. So that's a whole thing. And you, you could go back and listen to that integration episode. Cause it was pretty interesting, but that's one thing I really love about y'all's podcast that I've not heard on any other podcast is really talking about the experience and then the integration afterwards. So I think that's what scares people though, too, is because especially, you know, people who struggle with control, you can't control this. You don't know what's going to come up. So when we talk to people about that type of experience, they want to know exactly what's going to happen. But the point is, is that you don't know and that you have to let go and you have to surrender. So I think, you know, us just trying to be transparent and sharing our experiences and also talking about the fact that, you know, I struggled with that too, not knowing what's going to happen the first time I did it. And, um, I guess we're kind of the guinea pigs in this where we will, we will do it and then share it to maybe ease other people into what it's going to feel like, maybe what they're going to see, even though all, all of the experiences are, are very different. So, yeah. And if somebody, okay, so I'm a control freak, like I very much control issues. And I think since I've started microdosing, it's that is down by 50%. So if somebody feels like they have control issues and that doing a, a bigger amount scares them, then microdosing might be the way to sort of ease into it and to get yourself feeling like a little bit more comfortable. But it is so, it's so interesting because most of the, most of my friends or listeners or people that I'm connected to, when I tell them that I microdose, they automatically go, well, I did mushrooms one time in college and it was terrible. And so I can't do that. So there's like that whole thing, or I'll get the, I have an addictive personality. I have to stay away from drugs. When people, maybe one of y'all could take one of those and one of you could take the other, like, what is your, not argument against that, but like, how do you help them realize that both of those things are, are just not going to be an issue? So the addictive personality thing, it's funny that you say that because we had a trip report come out today and I talked with someone who has been doing psychedelics for 17 years of her life and was an addict and used them for fun and to get fucked up and as an escape until she did one with intention. And now she is like sober from weed, sober from alcohol, sober from everything because the psychedelics were like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Um, so there is this like intention behind it that is so, so, so important. Um, and so I understand why people who think that they have addictive personalities would feel like they could possibly get addicted to it. Um but I would say to them, like when you are going into this with an intention of seeing yourself or meeting yourself or helping the part of you that is an addict, the intention is there. 
and you're not using it as an escape. Absolutely, people can still use it as an escape, but we can do that with anything. Like we can do it with shopping. We can do it with sugar. We can do it with literally anything. So I think intention behind it is the most important thing. Um, these are non-addictive substances. They are not physically addictive, but I also am aware and I understand that sometimes it doesn't have to be physically addictive for someone to want and to crave that um, escape from their life. But this is also something, and we were saying this before, like when you're doing a large journey like that and it's showing you your shit, yeah. it's not fun. Yeah. I call it the show you your shit dose. Yeah. Like one gram, two grams, super fun. Like five grams, like it's going to show you the worst parts of yourself that you've been running from. No one wants to do that for fun. This and isn't for funsies. Yeah, it's incredibly healing, but you're not like, oh shit, yeah, let's do this again next week. You're like, wow, I need to like process all of this. It was very um, I feel like a rebirth, but also like I like I'm not gonna want to go do it next weekend. It 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 doesn't feel that way. There's a lot of unlearning that comes with it. Sure. Same with like yeah. the human design stuff. And we get so many comments when we, when, especially when we first started, I feel like now, you know, we've, we've provided people a lot of education, but so many people would say, well, I did that shit in college and, you know, I had a really bad experience or I went to a concert and I had a really terrible time. Like a lot of people's first responses is how they tried it and it didn't work. So they never touched it again. And oftentimes what we say to them is, oh, really? How much did you take? I don't know. Oh, really? We're, so, you know, again, dose matters. Where, where you're at matters. All of those things matter. So, you know, if Leah were to take her seven grams that she took, you know, privately at home on a, <laughs> you know, for healing purposes oh, yeah, and yeah. then what goes to a concert, yes, she's not going to have a good time. So, you know, yeah, you're right. You probably didn't have a good time, but also you kind of have to take that on for yourself because you didn't educate yourself on how to, how to do it appropriately. And these are medicines when used correctly. And if you don't use that medicine correctly, don't blame the medicine. Like you got to kind of take accountability that you didn't use it properly. Yeah. And just the the people that you're around, the energy of the people that you're around, the conversations you're having. Like even yesterday when we took, it was like half a gram. It wasn't very much, but we went out kayaking and my husband and I were, you know, chatting about different things and it sort of started going negative. Like we were talking about COVID and how, what that experience was like. And he goes, whoa, 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 hold on we need to pause here and we need to go down another lane. Like this is getting negative, which if you're not with somebody that you trust that you can like pause that conversation and move to something positive or that feels better, then that's not going to feel like it was like the energy is more potent. I feel like you can really sense words that are being said and thoughts that are, that are going through your brain. Like you can feel them in your body and the effect that they have on your body more when you're, even when you're microdosing. That's perfect. That's a perfect way to explain it because I feel like you're more connected to yourself. Um, you're more present with every moment and you're more present with the things that are being said, um, around you. Um, it's just this level of awareness that you're not going to get with alcohol or, 
any other type of drug where you're removing yourself from your mind. Like this is like taking you into your body so you can feel those things and be aware of them. Um, I want to do another, like a little analogy. And we've tried to explain this in our podcast before about like the doses and people freaking out because they were like, oh, I did it one time, you know, but we still drink alcohol. You, st- How many times do you wake up hungover or like puking and you're like, oh, I'm never drinking again. And then you literally go right back and start drinking again the next week. But to me, the difference is just the lack of knowledge and respect because you're you're not going to drink an entire bottle of tequila and blame the tequila. Mm-hmm. So you have to take responsibility for the way that you used it. Or if somebody tells you here, take this Advil, it'll help with your aches and pains. And you take the whole bottle of Advil instead of like, oh, for my weight and for my size, I should only take this many. And that's what I'm going to do. Like, that's where I think people are forgetting that there is like a reverence to this that we should be using. Speaking of alcohol, that is like one huge thing that has changed immensely in my life. Um, I, I didn't drink much in high school, but I did, I joined a sorority in college and I don't like, we could go whole conspiracy theory here, but like college teaches you how to freaking drink, you know, here in America at least. And it, it's like a normal thing. You know, my parents knew I was drinking at that point. It was just like, this is what you do. And it got to where, you know, we were drinking Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday if you like went to brunch or something. So then your only days not drinking are Monday and Tuesday. And then in my 20s, I started working in the music industry. We went out every night, you know. And then when I, I guess when I met my husband, I was like 29, we were dating. He wasn't as big of a drinker. So I just automatically started drinking less, but then when I like less often, but when I would drink, it was a lot and it was not so great. Like all of my, in in my twenties, I was sort of like a happy drinker, I guess. I don't know. I was sort of mean and bossy to some people, but like for the (laughs) most part, I was fun. And then when I hit 30, it was like all my shit came up when I drank and it was terrible, terrible, honestly. And when I mean, I took time off when I was pregnant. So that was my first long amount of time was because I was pregnant. And even then I drank like a glass of wine here and there because I thought that that was okay. My daughter's okay. Like it's whatever, but (laughs) if I get pregnant again, that will not be happening. And then during COVID, I took a whole year off because it was just, I mean, like most people during COVID, we were bored. And we were so stressed and we didn't have connection. And so a lot of people were just drinking at home. And that's what I sort of did. You would get on Zooms with friends and have, you know, happy hour and whatever. And it got to be such a just habit. And it, I think that it was when my daughter turned one, a little after she turned one is when she started noticing me drinking and she would like try to drink it. And I was like, shit. So, and there was a few other things that happened where I was just like, I have to like take a break. So I took over a year off 
and then brought it back into my life in 2022, but I was also microdosing at the same time. So, I mean, 2022, I drank the least that I've ever drank in a whole year. And then this year, since doing combo, my body's like, nope, nope. It's a weird thing though, because it's something I'm struggling with. I hate creating rules for myself. Do you know what I mean? So part of me like, okay, I mean, I'm learning a lot about the chemical dependency of alcohol. And it's so funny because I'll talk to people and they're like, well, I'm not an alcoholic or I don't have that gene. And I'm like, there's no gene. The gene does not exist. (laughs) That is, I don't know who created that like idea, but there's no gene. And pretty much anyone who drinks more than once a week is an alcoholic because it takes you 10 days to get it out of your system. I would even go as far as to say, like, you don't even have to, my husband drank once a month, but he would drink himself to oblivion when he did, because he was like, I only do it once a month. So there's, yeah, sorry. No, it's all good. (laughs) But sometimes people are like, I don't know about this, but I have my two glasses of wine on Friday night. And I'm like, Dude, if you can have two glasses of wine on Friday night, you'll be totally fine with microdosing some mushrooms and it's much more pleasant and there's no hangover and there's no like puffiness or lack of sleep or yeah, like all of that kind of stuff. So I wish like our society, at least here in America, is so... I mean, there's a big... There's all big alcohol or whatever. Like there's money to be made with this, which is why I think that it's just pushed down our throat so much. But I even went to Target the other day and it's like, I cannot, I I don't have a desire for alcohol currently. So it's, it didn't like affect me really, but it's like, you can't go down an aisle without there being alcohol on the end, whatever that's called, the end little cap. Yeah. Yeah. Like what the heck? Alcohol is the only drug where if you don't do it, you're thought of as weird or it's like not normal that you don't drink. That's a huge misconception. And I like to like say that to people because I do have people like, yeah, but I don't need drugs. And I'm like, you're drinking right now. That's a drug. It's a drug. You are altering your body chemistry. Like it's actually like a toxin. Like there's, there's nothing good in it for you. Like, you know, there's that argument that like, oh, it's, but it's got antioxidants. Everything has antioxidants in it everything. If you're drinking a glass of wine for antioxidants, eat a cucumber. Like, so there are, for us, there are zero benefits to it. And outside of, I don't know, that looks like a really good cocktail. I like peach and I like, you know, that flavor. I'll try it. Like for us, drinking is very different than what it used to be. Um, but I do notice this trend in, People that we know who have done like larger doses of mushrooms tend to say afterwards their alcohol um, consumption goes way down. And I think that it's just because you are like, you're feeling a little bit more aligned in your body. You're feeling like you're like vibrating on a higher level and alcohol is a literal depressant. So you might still drink it, but then you might start asking yourself, like, what's the value in this? Why am I drinking this? What purpose is it serving in my life that is for my highest good? And that's a hard question. (laughs) That is exactly it. Because I think for so long I felt, eh, 
all the time. And so when you're feeling eh all the time, like blah all the time, then being either a little hungover or just a little bit depressed doesn't feel weird to you. But when you are like in a really high vibration all of the time, and this is real life. I mean, we're not going to, it's not all unicorns and rainbows, but like it's, I mean, I'm on, I think day 28 of no alcohol and I, there's options to drink in the next few weeks. And I'm like, well, I'm going to play it by ear that day. If I'm feeling stressed or needing to numb, it's not going to happen. But if I'm already feeling good, I might try it, but then I'll probably be like, okay, yeah, that didn't serve me. Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like it's not coming down from that high vibration is not worth it for the two or three days after that you don't feel high vibe. Yeah. I think the intention behind that is the same thing. Like what are my intentions in, in consuming this? Is it doing any good for me? Yeah. Cause I like the way that I feel when I'm drinking like my first drink. And then after that, it doesn't feel, it just stays the same and then starts to feel it worse. And it's like, well, why am I doing this for 30 minutes of feeling good? I saw something the other day that said alcohol is the new cigarette. It, yeah. Well, and then we interviewed um, a guy and he does research along with Johns Hopkins. And he said, factually, alcohol is the worst drug out there. The worst one. But yet it's the most normalized. And how many of us know somebody who struggles with alcohol use disorder? I mean, most of us have dealt with it in our families, friends, we all know somebody, but it's something that's never really like talked about like, okay, this is like a problem. Yeah. It's so weird too. Cause I just moved last month to a new city and I haven't made any friends yet because, well, I'm like, I'm an introvert. So I knew I'd be okay for a little while, but like my go-to always for making friends would be like, okay, let's go grab a cocktail or whatever, you know, cause it's just like eases that social anxiety. And now I'm like, okay, I've just got to find people who are like me who don't drink or hardly ever drink. And we can sit around and talk about whatever we need to. So I'm, I've made friends that are like within an hour of here who are like-minded, but I haven't made friends yet in this town. And I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised. It's a little it's a pretty conservative little German town. So it's, there's a lot of drinking and, and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I know the paradigm shifting and a lot of people, I have a lot of people in my life who are now taking breaks from alcohol. They're taking like month breaks and stuff where I'm like, oh my God, I never, ever thought you would ever take a break ever. So I think things are changing. I think so too. Yeah. I have more sober friends now, which is wild to me because that's something I never thought would have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think that with your whole point of alcohol being like the worst tr- drug for you in the book that I just finished reading called Euphoric, it was, I loved it because this is the first uh, sober or sober curious book I've ever read where the gal, the author didn't hit any type of rock bottom. She didn't like go through really negative situations. She just like realized that she felt better when she didn't drink. And so that's sort of what the book is all about, which I love. And I think a 
people having rock bottoms can be a beautiful thing as well. But sometimes there's people out there who are like, well, I'm a happy person when I drink and I've never had any really bad things happen to me, but I've never tried not drinking. But one thing that she talked about was that it is more addictive than heroin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's like nuts. Like that is physically addictive. Yeah. Like that can be physically addictive and you can build your tolerance to it based on like how often you drink. And so, yeah, it's, it's a very dangerous thing that's not talked about as often. I love that you read that book. Yeah. It's really good. And kind of going back, you know, cause I was like you in college where I drank Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Right. And then you get out of, and that's like normal. And then you get out of college and you maybe keep up with those same habits. But then it's like, okay, well, at what point is this, is this turning into a problem? Cause it's like, it's normal in one stage of your life. And then, you know, you, you know, there are people who keep, keep going with that trajectory and, and, and lose their families or their friends or, you know, their life is a mess. And, and there's, there's really not help or information or education. It's getting a lot better now, but. Other than AA, which just seems like such a, you know, people don't want to go into an AA meeting, even though I know a lot of people who have gotten a ton of help from it, but it has this like weird vibe about it. Share the fact about, um, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So my husband is an AA, he's not a lifer. And I know that a lot of people are, and I'm not knocking on the program because it's a great fucking program when you work the steps. However, Bill Wilson, the founder of AA came up with the idea of the group while on acid. Hey, how many people know that? Nobody. (laughs) Like I found this out and I'm like, does your AA group know this? And he's like, no, we don't talk about that. And I'm like, you guys are living a lie. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. So yeah, the entire group was focused, was, was founded on this psychedelic spiritual journey that he had with Belladonna and LSD and in the beginning of AA in like the 40s and 50s, this stuff was very legal. So it was used in psychotherapy. Um, and it wasn't until the 60s that it started to become a Schedule One drug. It started to become very taboo. So all of that about AA was kind of shoved underneath the surface. Yeah. Well, and back then it was very much like a Christian organization and for men. And so any, you know, like, well, I think that that was taken away from it too, because it was never Christian. It was spiritual. Okay. Spiritual. But there are so many people who see that as religious and the words that he used, like I look at the 12 steps now and like after reading them, when he started the group, I was like, um, these are steps to integrating a psychedelic trip. Yeah. Like literally step for step, like everything in it is about like, if you look at them now and see what they are, like, it's like, you know, uh, hold yourself accountable, like, you know, make amends with the people that you hurt. Like it's wild how the two worlds are connected. So yeah, that's a fun fact. His name is Bill Wilson. Look it up. It's not hidden information. It's out there. He was, yeah. Thank you acid for AA. Literally. So I just think the same thing that happened with religion is the same thing that happened with AA. Like somewhere along the line, the roots were used differently and it lost, um, it lost its meaning along the way. 
but again, a very powerful group for people who actually like work the steps. But I think that it's important to know why the steps are there in the first place. Yeah, that is nuts. Okay. So whenever I talk about psychedelics and I just FYI for anybody who does not know Leah and Christine, the see you on the other side podcast, isn't just about psilocybin. They talk about a lot of different, um, psychedelics and, and tools that you can use in your, what we call in human design deconditioning experience. So really quick, just to like, sort of wrap up this conversation, Y'all recently learned about your human design types. You knew about them before we chatted, but Christine, you're a projector and Leah, you're a manifester. Will you tell us just a little bit how learning about your human design has coincided or supported your deconditioning journey, your unlearning journey, your spiritual journeys? Well, for me, before this podcast, I was very much so a workaholic. And I was a trainer. And so I always had like a crazy schedule, work long hours, didn't get breaks. And that's just what I thought like I had to do. And then learning about my human design and about being a projector, I am so much better in the space that I'm in now because I work more efficiently in short bursts of time and I need a lot of rest and relaxation. And so That was like the big thing because I felt, I think with maybe a lot of projectors, there's like a feeling of being like worthless because if you're, if you're not like, you know, we come from hustle and grind culture and be a boss babe and do all those things. And I was very much so that toxic kind of person like hustle. And if you're not hustling, then you're lazy. And I've really like flipped that on its head and have really enjoyed, um, resting, taking breaks, spending time with my family, and then doing things when I feel compelled to do them. And, but when I do do them, it's usually pretty efficient and I'm like on it. And then I'm like, after, you know, a short amount of time that I'm like, okay, back to resting. (laughs) Yeah. That was Christine, the projector. (laughs) (laughs) So the manifestor for me, I'm still having like a little bit of a hard time with it. I don't ever think I considered myself as like a leader, but I also like owned a business for 12 years. So I guess in that sense, I was, um, I have a, I have a lifetime of playing small and conditioning of not speaking out and, and playing small and my ideas don't matter. And my voice doesn't need to be heard. And the more and more I learn about manifestors, the more I'm like, oh my God. I'm supposed to be doing these things. I'm supposed to be starting these movements. I'm supposed to be a leader. I'm supposed to be speaking and doing all the things. So the more I step into that, the better I feel. It's still. Oh my gosh. It's so hard for you. It's so hard. Like I'm like mother ayahuasca is telling me like, bitch, be big. (laughs) Stop being small. And I'm like, I can't, but it's, it's a learning process for sure. It's like that deconditioning and unlearning of, you know, 38 years of playing small and realizing that I am bigger than I give myself credit for. Yeah. And did you know that manifestors are, there's like less and less and less manifestors being born and that there used to be way more and they were the people, a lot of our leaders, like the Queens and Kings and monarchs and whatever in the past were, 
were manifestors. So very much meant to be a leader. And it's no wonder that, that getting into, um, the psychedelic world and doing this type of work sort of turned your voice on because that's the true, true you, you know, your highest self. I love that. That's hard. She told me that the other day. She was like, I could totally see you as like a queen. And I was like, that makes me feel bad. Why? Like, well, I so I so I told her this because I saw it on a video that a lot of like kings and queens and royalty were manifestors, but then they had manifesting generators kind of as their slaves to do their stuff to do their work and stuff. And I sent it to her and she's like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. Bad. <laughs> well, as y'all's podcast grows, you know, that's what I'm thinking about. I'm like, Ooh, when I get to like a million downloads, these are all the different things I'm going to do. As your podcast grows, there will be people that you need for support and you can just hire generators and many gens for that and pay them well. Like they don't have to be slaves, just pay them well. And they'll love doing their work and it'll be great. Win-win. We're working we, on that. Yeah, and we would be really fun to work for. I promise. <laughs> We're really nice. We are not. I'm a nice manifester. <laughs> yeah. No, manifestors are awesome, but it's so weird because whenever I work with manifestors, they have the hardest time a lot of times being bossy or being like informing or like saying what they need. And I'm like, man. I think I was meant to be a manifester because like, I don't have any problem, any problem with that. So I don't know if it's Same. just like, I don't know if it is just conditioning from, and it's a lot of times women that I work with, obviously. So I don't know if it's just conditioning of like, be seen, not heard, like be quiet. Don't be too much. Don't be too good. Like the tall poppy syndrome, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I could be totally wrong, but I feel like the manifestors that I know, which I know like two, okay. <laughs> um, but the manifestors I know, like there is just this, like, I guess I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but I feel like Leah really struggles with her voice and everyone around her is like, no, use it. Like, keep going, girl. Like, no one is telling you to not do that. But I, I guess maybe growing up, you were different, which I mean that as the highest compliment. Yeah. And I know you and I know your childhood and that probably got shut down a lot to not, to not be that way. So, but all of anyone in her life now is like, no, be whatever you need to be. Like we're here rooting you on, like, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I totally, totally agree with that. In, in parenting, I have a three and a half year old little girl and you know, man, she's a talker. She's a reflector, but she's a, she's a talker. She's super extroverted. And I have to catch myself to not, you know, to not say be quiet or, Hey, don't whine. Don't, you know, like all of the different things I have to really, really catch myself. Last question, I guess, speaking of parenting, how do you feel like doing psilocybin and psychedelics has helped you be a better parent? Oh, wow. Well, for me, I think that becoming a mom showed me that I have a lot of triggers that I need to work on and work through um, because of my childhood. Um, and so I think a uh, psilocybin has helped me become much more pe present. I think it's shown the things that uh, I need to work on with my patients um, and allowing Ty, my son, to be whoever he is and whatever light shot to shine his light pretty much. Um, 
And <clears throat> I, like you catch myself doing things like wanting to say, oh, you know, be less or be quieter, you know, whatever. And, and trying to embrace his bigness and uniqueness. So, yeah, I think for me, it was, it was difficult because I didn't start this healing journey until, you know, my third child. There's a lot of guilt around feeling like I wasn't the best mother to my older two. Um, I did the best I could. And I, I know that deep down, I just feel like in, for the better part of their lives, I was just going through the motions and doing what I thought I needed to do as a mother, but I wasn't able to love them unconditionally the way that I should have, because I didn't love myself unconditionally. And that's like the biggest takeaway for me with mushrooms, with psilocybin has been that love um, and acceptance and also like forgiving myself for not being what I think they needed when they were younger and doing it now. I'm the same way. I feel like I wish I would have started all of this like five years before having kids. Yeah. <laughs> it would have made it all a little bit easier as well, I think. Yeah. Well, I see though now, like I, that the, the way that I can move through that guilt is I think it's also incredibly important for children to see parents change and grow. Yes. And so I wasn't always this mother to them that I am now, but they have witnessed their mother and their father go through these incredibly difficult life challenges and come out better people and come out better parents. So that's the caveat to that is like they're witnessing change. And that's important also. Dude, my husband and I talk all the time. I'm like, when Caroline turns like 16 or 18, I'd love to have like a family psychedelic experience where we have like <laughs> family MDMA night. Yes. Instead of like going and getting drunk. Cause I like when got drunk with my parents, you know, yeah. that was like the normal thing when, when you're in college and they know you're drinking and it's like all okay. And it's like, dude, how different is it going to be that you could have like a different shared experience to like mark them going into adulthood? You know, there are cultures that do this type of stuff that are like, these are rites of passage. Like you turn 16, you do a journey, you sit with this medicine and then you go on your life path because then you know who you are. My, so I don't see anything wrong with that. Yeah. And my stepdaughters and I were talking about this literally the other day because um, they're about to be 18 and about to be 21. And one of them was like, when should I start doing mushrooms for healing? And I'm like, ah, well, I'll probably keep it on the DL, but soon. <laughs> yeah. Right now. <laughs> I think a lot of things are going to change in the next few years. Thanks to like maps and, and all of that. Oh my God. I have like the biggest crush on him. Rick Doblin. Oh yes. my the God. The leader of maps. He's like yes. the sweetest. Oh, if I was Just a so six year old, all the yes. time. Yes. If I were a 60 year old woman, I'd be like, I want to marry you. Right Daddy now. Doblin. Daddy Dad. Doblin. <laughs> <laughs> well, He's this great. has, this has been such a fun conversation with y'all. I'm sure that we'll have another one, especially maybe if we do get together and do a, a hangout, we should yeah, do an love that. integration after that. But, um, I loved having you guys on. I'm going to put all of your links in the show notes below definitely reach out to Christine and Leah. They're great. They're, they answer you on DMs and, and all that kind of stuff on Instagram and go subscribe to their podcast because it is the best 
as far as like explaining psychedelic experiences that I have heard. So thank you guys so much. Thank Thank you, you, Allison. (laughs) Thank you so very much for tuning in to another episode of You Do Woo. I know that you already have a very full life and that there are literally millions of podcasts that you could be listening to. So I'm super grateful to you for being a loyal listener and I'm so grateful for you sharing your favorite episodes with friends and family members. That is how we are able to serve more people and raise the collective consciousness and really get the word out on a bunch of these fun spiritual topics that we're talking about. I would love to connect with you. Send me a DM on Instagram at yudowoo, all one word. I'd love to hear how you loved today's episode and just a little bit about you. I can't wait to connect. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at ivisonvoice.com slash podcast.